0: Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of Enforced Technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit TenkataFabrics.com slash Flex 7. Flex 7, powered by Enforced Technology only from Tankata Protective Fabrics.
1: All right, so um, let me just start this because we don't have uh, Brad here today, but um, this is uh, Fire Service Court Radio with uh, Chip Comstock and Kurt Barone and myself, John Murphy. Um, Brad Pinsky uh, was going to be on today, but unfortunately he had some like whatever the Pinsky's have to do and hopefully his mother's. Uh, going to be watching this that will add to the Pinsky uh, the Pinsky um, influence on us. But uh, today we're going to talk about a, a variety of things. Twenty twenty four is uh, a whole new year that we can um, you know commit crimes, and uh, then you'll have your favorite lawyers uh, step up to the plate at least for advice and maybe representation. Uh, twenty twenty three was certainly interesting, and there's there's a lot going on, and and I. I have been talking to my colleagues and I say, you know what, you know, why do we go out and do public speaking? Why do we write articles? Why do we do these shows? Because um, we talk about pretty much the same thing uh, in a different version. And and you guys out there are still um, violating your own policies, violating your laws. Uh, discriminating, creating a hostile work environment and all those sorts well, of things. Well, that, not um, the
2: people who are listening, because the people who are uh, listening do. But the problem is, is people who are not listening that are going out right. doing these things,
1: I, doing these I things, which tried. makes which makes us a uh, makes us smile. That's the first thing. <laughs> and second of all, it gives uh, some fuel to Kurt Barone's website. Uh, that is, you, if you don't, you know, most of us know what it is. So. And every time I teach a class, I always go, hey, you, you know, you need to take a look at Kurt's website uh, because he's got the latest and the greatest stuff but that we, you know, we not the listeners, of course, as Kurt said. And then uh, and so uh, one thing is that uh, um, I was Mark, uh, who's uh, sort of our dashboard monitor today, um, commented on my mustache. And I said uh, 2024 is going to be a year that I'm going to be looking like Kurt Verone and Billy Goldfeder when it comes to mustache size and i think there's the race on so see how big we can get these things <laughs> at the end of the year and so without further ado i'm going to turn this over to i think chip has something that he wants to um to bring up and then we're gonna all pile on here you
3: no know, i i uh, the only thing that came to my mind one is you were talking about crimes and i was thinking you know some of our folks it's a matter of height so high crimes and misdemeanors and the other the other thing is some of us are are um, confident enough in our our, our our appearance and our our lack of facial hair have to grow that very big, but
1: well, even the hair which, up on top. which
3: is a perfect, which is sort of a perfect, trend segue uh, uh, segue right into potentially our first topic of twenty twenty four, hitting it off, starting the year off with a bang, so to speak,
1: which is porn. <laughs> and porn mustaches? Is that where you're where you're going with this? <laughs> All right, Chip, let her rip, buddy.
3: Well, we we're, we're talking just a lot about um uh stupid stuff, but sometimes, you know, it, stupid falls on both sides of the, of the spectrum when it comes to the activities within the firehouse. And and we were discussing before we came on the air about you know the illegal or um, and legal things that happen within the firehouse relating to uh, pornography. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, it should not come as any surprise. Although again, you read about this on on Kurt's blog, but a firefighters charged with possessing child porn in the firehouse, or you know, um, or you know, firefighters charged with that should not come to anybody's surprise that's illegal. Um, but we occasionally have those cases where. Somebody in the privacy of their home takes photographs, uh, may send them to some place, somebody else um, as part of a, a relationship. And then at some subsequent time, somehow those photographs end up in the public domain, on somebody else's computer, on somebody else's phone, how they get there. And then what's done with them may be the problem. It didn't start as a problem between the two consenting adults, but then the problems develop after that. And, and so that's one example of things that may start off and, and seem uh, or are completely innocent. Uh, but as time goes on, the problems seem to snowball. And, and so I'm going to at that point just uh, Kirk uh, was talking about, you know, some of those things were, were uh, what in the old days uh, may have been funny and and, and part of, a, quote, brotherhood. isn't necessarily how we want to conduct ourselves now. So I'm going to punt the ball over to Kirk
2: yeah we've chip we've got a couple of um a couple of high profile cases that have made it into my blog. I'm aware um through conversations that I've had with attorneys and chiefs around the country of another at least dozen or so cases that did not make it into the media um and that I have confidences on so I, I won't really be able to talk about but um the, it's a, it's an ongoing problem uh It was not a problem when the three of us were young men. Uh, and joining the service, uh, just because the technology really, you you think about, I remember in uh, 1972, 73, when we'd watch a film, we had to have a film camera and projector and it looked like a, you know, movie theater in order to watch a video, uh, but um, today, that technology exists within people's cell phones, smartphones, um, and, and other types of recording devices, and uh, the ability to share it through the internet. So we've we've got a problem. At the same time, I think people's um, or society's um, you know permissiveness uh, has changed quite a bit as well, uh, and it's not uncommon for people in a romantic relationship to share videos. Um, We are seeing a growing number of people um, making money, um, you know, by sharing videos of themselves uh, on the internet. And uh, some of those people later may regret having done so. Uh, Maybe they were at a point in their life financially where they they needed to do it or wanted to do it or whatever, but it was done and now it's out there. And then five years, eight years, 10 years later, now they're in the fire service and uh, they're their past now is catching up with them. So we're seeing all of that. And what we're left with now is fire chiefs um, who have a full plate of issues that they've got to deal with. They've got staffing, they've got new apparatus needs, they got health and safety and everything else. And now all of a sudden you've got this issue uh, where a firefighter comes to the chief and says, um, they're looking at videos, videos of me and um, it's harassing and you need to do something about it. And uh, it might be something that a chief never never saw coming. But now you're the chief, and you've got to deal with it.
1: My, so the question that, that I have uh, for both of you guys is, you know when does the the privacy of an individual kind of spill over into the the public arena? And I know that, you know I, I can't imagine why. If I was having sex with my girlfriend or vice versa and we're recording that sort of stuff, that's, you know, not the way I was brought up. And, and I just wonder, you know, especially now, especially
3: if your wife finds out about
1: it. <laughs> good point. Um, and if she watches this, she may never, but anyway, um, I'm, I'm waiting for so something to come flying is, at him, like from the side. <laughs> she's downstairs. So I'm, I'm good. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm upstairs <laughs> in my uh, man cave. So, um but i'm thinking you know i have a private life and so whatever i do out of my private life is is for me and you know so the videos that i may take and i know this may be a generational thing um but the videos that i may take is a private matter between myself and whoever my partner is and then all of a sudden like kurt was saying that you know it gets out into the you know the universe somehow and then now you know and and I'm as the fire chief you know one of my female or male subordinates comes in and say hey chief you know blah 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 you know where does where's my responsibility as the leader of the organization um you know turn on uh, to protect this person's rights who in the right of privacy did this and videotaped it now all the guys and gals are watching this in the fire station and so would the the issue of you know, now the fire station is a public place and are there constrictions or restrictions on, you know, watching this sort of um, these videos, you know, in the fire station on duty? Does that create a policy violation and, and it is a legal violation? Because I know that, you know, years ago when the Supreme Court was trying to determine what pornography is, you know, they said, you know, you know it when you see it, but they couldn't really make a definitive ruling on pornography and so we you know anything that would naked people doing whatever they're doing is now classified as pornography um and even like when you take a a baby picture of your child your grandchild you know then and they're naked you know you i know that when costco here had had film processing um capabilities they they get these pictures of babies you know your kid your grandchild um, and then they call the cops and then they call you. And then all of a sudden it's like, why are you taking naked pictures of your grandchild? Which I think is. So when does it all I guess the question I'm rambling, I'm sorry. But what is the question is, when does the fire chief and the fire station become part of that discipline issue? And, and do I have to report it? And as the fire chief, do I have to do something about it?
2: Yeah, and like I said, that you know, the Chiefs have got enough on their plates. They're they're not looking. They're not sitting at their desk saying, "Um, I wonder what might come up." Let me think of all the possible problems. They're dealing. They're de- they're putting out fires all day long. They're putting out fires. So now, what they've got to do is realize that this is an issue and it requires some thought. There's some disciplinary concerns for the firefighters who may be involved in taking and sharing or taking the pictures on one side. There, there may be, okay? There may also be some issues when it comes to protecting the person on the other side that need to be addressed through policies because if you're going to try to get the behavior to stop, uh, I'm talking here about the watching of the, the videos in the station, then you've got to have some policies that you can use to enforce that. Um, otherwise, you, you know, you're going to be in a, a situation where somebody is being harassed or claiming to have been harassed and you're powerless to really do much about it. So you want to kind of think through that ahead of time. And hopefully your sexual harassment and sexual misconduct policies and digital imagery and social media policies are all sort of uh, intertwined to the point where if someone is watching an inappropriate video in the firehouse. It, it would be a rule violation.
1: No, in my experience, I know, I know that Chip kind of lifted this rock up and really hasn't said a lot. But <laughs> yeah, he just, um, just he throws the hand
2: grenade out and
1: then sits back yeah. and smiles. <laughs> I, I know when I, when I was the you know the deputy fire chief, I had one of our female um, firefighters come over. She said, "You know, the firefighters are watching porn in the fire station," and, and so I go, "Okay, um, what do you want me to do about it?" She said, "Well, I can't sit in the same room that they're sitting in." And so, um, and I don't want to watch it. It's just, you know, it was it was sort of the generic stuff that you get, you know, over the internet, nobody in the fire department was involved in that sort of deal. But, but then I had a moral, I think a moral obligation, um, that, you know, and we don't have a policy about, you know, watching porn in the fire station. We, we do now, um, you know, inappropriate videos are not really specific to porn, but I, I had to go over to the fire station and the guys are still watching the damn stuff, right? So I walk walk upstairs. I go into the you know the day room, and the guys are watching. And I go, "What the hell are you doing?" And they go, "Oh my God, Chief! Um, we didn't know that we could not do that." I said, "You can't. All right. We don't have a policy, but I'm just telling you right now." And we had a complaint about it, and everybody knew who it was, right? And so, and then we had to face the, the repercussions of you know the complainer um and uh, you know and so you you went through this whole moral i think it was a moral issue for me at the time um and i just said you know this is inappropriate and so you know and we're excluding certain elements of our our society the fire services society so one group of people could you know enjoy you know watching what the what you know which i consider to be morally um outrageous you know really so I don't know.
3: It's, I mean, to me, a lot depends on. Again, there are so many factors that, that come with that, and you know, you start off like you said, okay, people just watching what is otherwise maybe legal videos in the station, um, but you know, the question is the level of taste, and is it pornography, etc., and that sometimes in policies can be difficult to to define. For example offensive or violent. Don't watch offensive or violent shows at the firehouse. Well, violence could be fights or football games. So some of those policies, you have to be very, you know, make sure they're they're written properly to the conduct in the firehouse. And again, we get back to the next part is, you know, if, if somebody did, we talked about the consenting adults um, who, who, if it was just two people and they filmed it and they kept it amongst yourselves, we wouldn't even be talking about this. It's always when somebody has either somehow got it off somebody's computer or somebody has sent it to somebody more often than the case, sent it to somebody and it's there thereafter spreads like wildfire. And so now that person who one of the two parties who made that video, who thought it would remain confidential and personal, it's not. And, and so, um, if that just stays outside the firehouse, it probably wouldn't be a problem, but it gets brought into the fire station either by people watching it or people talking about it or people making fun of one of the participants. And now we're into the, um, as Kurt had talked about previously, it's you know, the, the environment uh, that an employee is subject to. And so, you know, everybody has a right to work in a, uh, in a workplace that is free of, of harassment. And to the extent that people are using that video for harassing purposes, you know, again, I think that supervisors have to step in and make sure that people are acting like adults and and, and treating everybody with respect. And and if you permit it to continue to go on, if you ignore it, you sort of do so at your own uh, your own risk. And I'm sure Kurt has uh, a couple of, uh, of stories where, you know, people have ignored that and Departments or um, supervisors end up getting sued.
2: Yeah, there's there's several uh, two that come to mind. One out of Las Vegas, another one out of um, Houston. And again, I, th- I think part of the issue is that um, you know we don't we don't have e- either the policy or the willingness of supervisors to address it quickly. And I think Chip's right on that point there. That we've got to make sure that when supervisors become aware of the problem it's addressed as quickly as possible. Um, I think I think it was the Las Vegas case, but a, a, a gal went to, um, I believe it was a division chief or deputy chief and said, they're watching a video and he's uh, like, okay, what, what do you want me to do about it? And uh, he says, well, I, I want you to get it to stop. And I, I think he said exactly what I probably would have said if I hadn't thought about it ahead of time and hadn't like had a plan in my mind, what would I do? But the chief said something to the effect that if I tell him not to watch it, it's only going to make him watch it more. You know, like why, you know, I don't want to say anything because it's going to cause people to want to do it, which is, it looks terrible. And that actually found us, that quote actually found its way into the lawsuit. Okay. So I think thinking this, Through, and you know, having sort of a game plan for this is really is going to be critical to preventing some sort of um, bad outcome from happening.
3: I, you know, I always think a lot of the things when we talk about these particular subjects is what that's like to the public. Well, you know, your firefighters are supposed to be saving lives, protecting property, training, checking equipment, and all that. Which we do. Yeah, but but what's gonna what they're gonna hear, what the publics are gonna hear, is they were sitting around watching porn, right? They're, they're not gonna they're not gonna focus on all we're gonna do. They're gonna hear that these guys have enough time. Men and women have enough time to sit around and watch porn and then get mad at each other. And, and so, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's the public perception. So, you know, one of the things just from a management standpoint is, <laughs> should that come out in public? What is the perception then of that, you know, of what, you know, of the character of the department and what people spend their time doing? Mm-hmm. And and that's the type of allegation that can have disastrous effects on, on, you know, maintaining your public support.
1: Yeah. Right. I think Kurt had it right. I, I think we need to forecast or forethink about, you know, these sort of scenarios. I know, you know, when we were, when we were all chiefs, you know, we we didn't think, you know, we didn't think about oh, what's the problem going to be today. It just kind of comes up and sits in you, you know, in your office and you got to do something about it. But but the other part, I think Chip, you know, talked about, you know, how do we preserve our reputation in the community? And then, you know, do you do you get out in front of this because it's going to come in the newspaper, right? So, you know, firefighters watching porn in a fire station because there's been an allegation or a complaint or that sort of stuff. So, you know, what do we do as, um, you know, leaders in our community? And and hopefully that, um, you know, we put out the stuff that Kurt talked about is that we, you know, we do a lot of other things, you know, we do inspections, we do training, we watch videos, Um, you know, we, you know, our guys are in school and stuff like that. So do you put out the right videos, of course, (laughs) Do, do we put out a news, you know, like a um, you know, you get with your media and say, look, you know, this is a one-off sort of scenario in our, in our organization. We apologize to the community and have a whole press release of, you know, this is not the norm um, for us. It's a, it's a one-off and, and we apologize to the community. We apologize to the offended firefighter and, um, you know, but, you know, and so as as we have always said, you know, um, bad news sells newspapers, you know, bad news sells and gets media hits and, and not all the bad news, uh, should affect the fire department when it, but when it does, it seems to last forever, you know? And so, um, and I think we, you know, we need to, um, when we bring new firefighters in or even our older firefighters and captains, lieutenants, supervisors, part of their supervisory training is, you know, what's appropriate to do in the firehouse. Um, and, you know, you need, again, you have to take a look at reputation preservation, and uh, it's a hard thing to do when you have, you know, a thousand firefighters in there and everybody has a different, you know, take on what life should be all about. And, you know, are, are you interfering with my right to watch, you know, my First Amendment rights, my, you know, all of Amendment rights that we've kind of, you know, tossed around in the past couple of years, you know, are, am I am I harming your ability to watch uh, material that may not be inappropriate. And, you know, my response is, is this is, you know, this is the public building, you know, this is, you know, not your house. Uh, it's a firehouse and it belongs to the public. And, you know, I'm laying the, I, you know, I'll articulate what our rule is. I'll make this stuff up as I go. But when I get back to my office, by God, there's going to be a policy on, you know, limiting, you know, the type of material and, uh, and I'll consult with my attorneys on whether it's, you know, defendable, And then we put the policy out. But, you know, you need to basically lay the law down
2: as we see it. You know, the the reputation management aspect of what you just said resonates with me in in a big way. Um, But you have to understand, and this is based on what I've seen happen in other cases, the victim whose video is being shared, the person who was filmed and is is upset about it, um, isn't Usually concerned about the reputation management part of what you just said. They're going to take the position that I'm the white knight. I'm going to fix what's broken in this organization by making this public. You, you, they hurt me. And then by you not doing something, you contributed to it. And the public needs to be aware of it. So th- the idea of being able to um, just kind of wave the reputation management flag. If this isn't addressed immediately, um, it, it, it's you know it's going to be frustrating because well, you get somebody involved there that's going to want to go in the other direction.
3: It's well, it's it's two things that I think. Of. One is it's it's not only reputation management; it's really crisis management. Yeah, right? I mean, you have, it you have, is from a yeah. But one of the things that I've learned from doing the show over the course of years is we often, as lawyers, think about how do we react it. To an issue, or how do where do we otherwise place blame, or how do we um, mitigate the damages? And Kurt, you have been one for a long time to say, listen, we don't need to make excuses, we don't need to have policies, we need to stop the behavior before it begins. Prevention is the key. Mm -hmm. So it's 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 letting. If we want to get right down to it, when we have recognize number one that the culture is changing, as we've already identified. Um, We need to understand that people are going to be sharing pictures more and more and that the chances of these issues coming into our firehouses are are greater now than they've ever been. Mm -hmm. But what we need to talk about is that sharing pictures, looking at pictures of other people is not something we do in the firehouse. We have other jobs to do. This is not acceptable. That's not part of your job. I get it that you might be entertained by it. But you're not you're to leave it at the door. And when it comes here for other people this firehouse involved, we don't deal with that. And we don't use it to to at any time ever ridicule or 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 cause issues for somebody who may have been involved in a, a scene or you know or, or or in a relationship that you don't know the story behind. And I think it's having some of those honest talks that deal with fellow employee relations and in these could be it's not just you know porn it's gender it's race it's whatever else that you know we have to the the, the culture has to be one of respect and if we we push that uh, right up front and yeah and then we should have policies but if people understand what the culture is hopefully right from the beginning we've taken some of the issues out and we're not having to worry about um uh crisis management down the road because people understand it's just not something that's acceptable yeah.
1: No, that's what we should be teaching our officers and, you know, doing, you know, that sort of cultural training um as part of our annual recertification or renewals or whatever our training schedule is, is to, to talk about respecting each other. And I think we have are sort of moving away from that a little bit Um, because, you know, the, the stuff that, that we're talking about doesn't necessarily come in, um, you know, on the stuff that like the TV screen and stuff we have in the fire stage. A lot of it is on our our devices like TikTok and, you know, those videos and, and lots of other things that, you know, um, you know, I bring my phone to work. And so, you know, why can't I show a video on my phone to my fellow firefighters without everybody getting offended? And and I think that, that, that you know, becomes the issue is now you're using department equipment uh, to, to show a video or, um, you know, or am I being, you know, easily offended by stuff that, you know, we talk about you know violence and you know uh, sex on TV and stuff like. That. There's not a TV show I don't think on it, that's currently available that doesn't have some sort of you know sexual connotations or violent connotations or even the news. My God, you know, you take a look at the news today. It's like it's sensationalism. It's it's not the news anymore. It's just like, you know, well, how can I get my ratings up? And then they push these. Uh,
3: up- I'm going to take up a collection, and start a GoFundMe page. <laughs>
1: but yeah, I, I, just, uh, I think that's, that's a good discussion. So any, anything else on that? You want to switch over to something else? All right. Okay. So the, the thing that, that I want to talk about, and we could talk about this in like two minutes, being a new, I'm a newly elected fire commissioner and I've already said that I thank the Two thousand people that actually voted for me, and I'm going to talk to the uh, eleven people
2: that voted against hey, me. Hey, John, I want to, I hey, let you. me let me interrupt you just in case in, just in case you haven't heard this comment yet. I want you to hear it. You can hear it first from me. You're not doing a good job. You're not taking care of us. You don't care about us. All you care about is getting elected. Just so that I want to be the first one to have said that to you. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you very much.
3: I, I, I've already told for those eleven people, contact me for free. I'll do the impeachment proceedings.
1: <laughs> gotta wait till next Friday. I'm not sworn in. you. So uh, I think for and we've never I don't think we've ever talked about this is you know, what's the legal jeopardy for elected officials um in fire districts? And I know that, you know, we've talked a little bit about embezzlement, you know, if I'm the treasurer of our organization and I, you know, feel that I can get away stealing thirteen million dollars. Um, you know this. this act, don't, steal going you go, don't steal twenty dollars. If
2: you don't steal twenty dollars, it's not worth it. You're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna go go big. But you know
1: what? Now I now that being I'm a public official, I can't you know hack back at people on uh, Facebook or Twitter or you know put offensive comments on or you know. So I basically you know as an elected official, do I did I do I lose rights? I guess as a citizen. And and second of all, what is my legal jeopardy? As, as an elected official, and I know that, you know, I'm not speaking for everybody, but, mm-hmm. you know, there's millions of elected people out there that, you know, deal with fire service issues. You know, where where can I go sideways? You know, what what would it take for me to get at,
2: at every turn? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I sometimes I wonder why anyone would want to become an elected official today. I, I really, this it's uh, <laughs> an awful lot of mental illness out there. And, um, people are convinced that they are 100% right and you're 100% wrong and you're the villain and they're going to be calling you and emailing you and, you know, driving you crazy. And, uh, they'll, they'll show up at public meetings and, um, try to dominate the meeting. And it's, I just, I wonder, I've got friends that are local officials here and I just, uh, I'm like, thank God you're willing to do that because I I don't know why. And- uh, Often they get sued. I got several friends that that have been sued over, you know, silliness. But somebody wants to prove a point to them, so they're going to sue them. So thank God there's people that want to do that.
3: But you know, I guess, John, to answer your question, you know, to extend it's to governmental liability, governmental entity, and you are a policy decision maker, you. Have a potential to be sued in any time there's a is a dispute about somebody's, uh, you know the the policies and procedures of of the district or the governmental entity, the training you know hiring of, of employees termination of employees again to this extent you are the last or the person who has the final say, um you, you know adequate training all of those things you know violation of. Somebody's First Amendment rights, depending on your state, your Second Amendment rights, Fourth Amendment rights. Um, so you, you, you. There's always the risk uh, to, to to be sued, and you know, uh, but that does come a little bit with the territory. I think to the extent people really take their job seriously, uh, try to become educated as to the roles, um, the responsibilities, making sure you have uh, good. Uh, legal counsel, and and as a board member, that's not you. Um, you know, you you need to have independent counsel. Your your job there is not to provide legal advice to the others. Um, that you that you have a good insurance policy in place It provides for for uh, defense and indemnification of judgments or you know of lawsuits, which are two separate issues. But you know, you get a lawyer provided. Uh, free of charge. Um, And and you should probably think about uh, the investing in in an umbrella policy. Uh, Some umbrella insurance liability insurance policies will not cover elected officials, but um, at least looking into that, that will give you mostly peace of mind, knowing that if something happens, you're potentially covered for any claims. Uh, But, you know, again, it's, it's really making it's unlike the fire ground. You don't, you know, with with an elected official, you don't have to make snap decisions. You shouldn't make snap decisions. You know, fire ground, we, we talk about you got to make decisions quick, but, and this goes, I guess for chiefs, we've talked about this before with chief officers, that fire officers get in trouble for, for uh, more so for um, personnel decisions, human resource decisions, than they do operational decisions. And while operational decisions often have to be made quickly uh, personnel, human resource decisions do not, and and it's taking the time to think it out, look at the policies, get advice. That's one of the things I think any board member, elected official, should do the same.
2: I was just on the phone this morning with someone talking about one of one of the things that we're talking about here, uh, and, it, and it has to do with fiduciary duties. Uh, when you're an elected official, and same thing if you're on the board of directors of a nonprofit. You have a fiduciary duty to the organization, a duty of loyalty to the organization. That your decision making has to be in the organization's best interest, not in your personal best interest. And um, the the potential uh, for someone who's not happy with your vote or happy with what you're doing um, to to say, look, you know, you're 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 self dealing. You're you're voting on things that benefit you. You're voting on things that somehow are going to benefit someone that you either are related to or are, are a, a favored constituent uh, and that you're not doing what's in the best interest of the uh, entity. And that's another area. Then you've got your state ethics laws. Okay. And then you've got election laws. So there's a, a broad variety, a network of laws and a network of filings that you've got to disclose that, you know, those things then can become public. Um, you know, what what stock you have, what investments you have, who, what business relationships you have with other people. Uh, and now people can p- kind of pick through that and say, well, oh, you've got stock in the electric company, but yet you're voting on Paying bills that uh, you know are going to pay the electric company, Uh, you've got a conflict of interest, and now they want to take you out, and they're going to use that as an example of something to take you out for. Mm -hmm. It's it's just mind boggling the you know the the network of the patchwork of possible liabilities that an elected official can find themselves caught up in.
1: Yeah, I know that. I think in Florida, there's recently passed law this year that uh, requires elected officials in various uh, institutions to do disclosure, um, you know, public disclosures on investments and, you know, bank accounts and all that other stuff. And a number of them uh, are retiring or resigning yeah. because it's just too invasive in their personal life that, you know, if I have a stock or you know, my bank account is such whatever it is. Um, you know, do I want to, you know, um, put that out to the public where the public doesn't really need to know, you know, where my investments are or, or, you know, those sorts of things. And so would I be, we have to file a public disclosure, Mm -hmm. uh, financial disclosure as well, um, as an elected official. And, um, you know, do, do I really want to do that and let people know, you know, how poor I am? And I I I try to find out. They find out all the money you're getting from your OnlyFans (laughs) page. Well, let's not talk about that right now. Um, But anyway, I just happened to, uh, you know, fall into the fire service at the right time for retirement and, Mm -hmm. you know, those sorts of benefits. But, you know, um, it's it is I agree with you, Kurt. I think it's uh, there's a a huge issue that you're now the face of a uh, of an institution that's been around. For a number of years and it's you know well respected i i think uh institutionally but you know sometimes personalities sort of again we go back to destroying the reputation of of, of an organization that now you're a part of mm-hmm. um because of your action so you know if i get pulled over for a speeding ticket do you know do i flash my commissioner's badge or you know if i'm getting harassed by people you know do i have special privileges you know if i can't you know um respond in an appropriate manner and i and i think that that's you know, I, I and the, you know, commissioners' positions in most organizations are pretty low key. Yeah, we I mean, were not making huge policy decisions. You know, we're not spending mass amount of money. Um, although we do have you know a pretty robust budget, I think for the, the our fire service in general. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, going to a meeting, um, you know, attending a meeting, voting on certain things. Uh, I think you're right. I, I think there's some people out there that just, you know. They, you can't do anything
2: right. And well, so- let me give you an example. Let Let's say that you are going to advocate for uh, for increased staffing. Let's say you you want to hire another ten firefighters, whatever it may be. You you you're you're you want to hire some more firefighters. You feel that that's the appropriate thing, and you've got some citizen who is like, "I don't want to pay any taxes. I don't think it's right. I've got to find a way to take John out." And so now yeah. they're going to go through all of your. Uh, financial information and try to find something that they can either file a complaint with the board of elections or with uh, the uh, state ethics commission. Uh, and, or maybe they'll find some other Avenue to go after you with right. not about you and your decision. They just want you out of there. They, they, you know, it's not something that you did. It's just that they know that you are going in a direction that they don't want to see it going. So they're going to take you out that way.
3: Yeah. Uh, but I, there, there are there are a lot of traps for the wary, um, and and I see this in fire departments, particularly small ones. And they, you have to understand the state laws uh, in terms of conflicts of interest or legal actions in a in a, in a con, in a contract. So, in Ohio, and again, it's for us, it's tough because it varies state for state. You have to fill out the disclosure forms. Those are public to the ethics commission, not to the oh. public. So the ethics commission can investigate or can make sure you have a conflict, and you. And if you if you are not honest with it, you you can be charged with crime. I know people have been, but it's not the the public can't use it; they can't weaponize it um, like you are suggesting. But what I see as innocent, and this is a violation of Ohio law where the chiefs the, the, somebody needs tire the, a vehicle needs tires changed, and it's the the chief's brother has a tire shop. Or somebody can plow uh, snow, or cut grass, or do something else for the fire department, especially in small mm-hmm. towns where you may not have options. So the fire department if the chief says, "Hey, go ahead, you know, change your tires. Give us a bill, and the trustees pay for it." Or, um, or the trustee's brother, the elected official's brother, has some as a vendor, and we purchase off the. the and there's a vote. And and nobody thinks twice of it because I'm going to just yeah it's a good deal he gave us a great deal I'm going to I'll, I'll, I'll prove that um, or who you hire you know you hire somebody who has a relation and you you're basically using the position uh, of, of of being able to vote hire retain provide services to the benefit of a family member yourself or a family member and and in Ohio it's an illegal interest in a in a public contract and and you can't do anything that may benefit that even though it may be the for the department. You know, it may be, hey, the, 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 my brother's willing to sell us the, the tires for half price. We can't get that anywhere else. Now, there are there are exceptions that you could show, that it is a good deal and they're getting favorable, et cetera. But again, we're just talking about traps for people who aren't paying attention, maybe good intentions, but it's a way to get in trouble.
1: All right. That's a good one. Thank you. I'll try to keep my nose clean. And if I run into legal jeopardy, I'll be sure to call you two guys right off the get go. And then uh, you'll ignore my phone call because you know, it's for me and, and, uh, and, you're probably guilty. And uh, so. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and free legal advice is exactly what you're, what is worth, you know? So, um, I'll have to take that into consideration as well. Um, I think, you know, the other thing that, um, I don't know. Um, I know that uh, Chip was for re- reviewing uh, Kurt's blog, and there's a couple other things other than the porn
3: part. That, the, that, well, the you know. the, the one segue way I was going to have, and 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 Kurt could add on to it, mustaches. So we'll talk about mm-hmm. beards. And, and there was a there was a challenge recently to to um, i you know, I'll call it the, you know, whether it's facial grooming, whatever you want to call it, in terms of beards and scba and there's a number of different cases on that that have challenged the the uh beard uh ban on on primarily religious grounds um, there are others challenges but you know you see religious uh and that goes back to days in washington uh, a couple of cases in washington dc the district of columbia and um the the case is the, the results are somewhat mixed and i believe turned primarily of the lawyering, because there, there are cases that, certain, that hold up the department's right to ban facial hair, but those lawyers have done a good job presenting the evidence as to why. So if you find yourself involved in that, make sure you have somebody who understands all the issues. That's a and again that's a recent case and Kurt I don't know if you want to add anything on that yeah that's
2: the the one there was a case out of Washington I think from the 1990s and it was it was back when Dennis Rubin was the fire chief in D.C. and right. it, the case actually predates Dennis becoming the chief in D.C. so he was not responsible for the decision making here but um, there was a challenge and probably, actually now I'm thinking of it maybe it was closer to 9/11 I'm not. Not a hundred percent sure, but bottom line is um they uh, they had a lawsuit um, challenging the beards along racial and religious grounds, and uh, the city attorneys made a strategic error the, the, they had two ways to argue it that number one, OSHA, NFPA, and NIOSH all say no facial here at the interface of the scBA um, and uh, but we had. By that point, we had positive pressure breathing apparatus. Uh, In the past, we had negative pressure. So obviously, that was a much bigger concern. Um, So they, they looked at arguing the SCBA aspect as grounds for no beards. Then they also had these negative masks that were issued in the aftermath of the terrorist concerns, and all police and firefighters in D.C. had been issued these negative masks. And they said, you know what, let's just concede the positive pressure SCBA part of it, and let's argue the negative pressure mask as the basis for the no beard rule. And uh, so they conceded on the SCBA. They didn't fight it. It wasn't on the merits. They just conceded it. And they argued the the negative pressure, and under questioning, um, they had never ever had to wear a negative pressure one of these negative pressure masks. They had always worn SCBA. And the judge said, "Well, if you never had to wear them, that can't be a basis for race discrimination or religious discrimination." And basically ruled in favor of the firefighters, saying it's okay to wear them. So that was a that was a strategic mistake by the. City attorneys, they should have argued SCBA. Now that was, and that that case got a lot of press. A lot of, uh, I think it actually went up to the circuit court and was
3: upheld. It did. And and the thing about the circuit court, and this is where I think that case, anybody who who's faced with this, the circuit court, the, the 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 DC circuit court of appeals said, we are we are limited. To reviewing this case to the evidence before us and to your point. And so there's no, there's no evidence of this, this, and this. And so we have to rule this way, which was in favor of the firefighters against the department. But they add on, had we been presented with the following (laughs) evidence and laid the roadmap to the next, the next challenge to the department saying, if we'd been faced with these, this information, we might have ruled differently. And 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 so I think that's anybody who has to defend cases that 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 the court of appeals decision is where you start looking at you know some ideas of how to defend those cases. Well, and,
2: and now them. we've got a, a growing body of case law over the last couple of months. Anyway, there's been several cases. I think Jacksonville yeah. FDNY was another recent one. Atlantic City. There's been a bunch of cases that have come down in the last few months, and certainly last few years, that all uphold the no beard rule, okay? Right,
3: they've done right. homework. That's, they did.
2: Now, now there was one, and now I, I don't want to speak off the top of my head. I just, it's been within the last couple of weeks, I believe, one was filed by a firefighter who is a dispatcher. I'm just looking through my blog here, if I can find it. I think yeah. it was Houston. Yes, it was Houston. So he had yeah, a, a, a firefighter, and he he's a captain, uh, but he's assigned to dispatch. And so now he's saying... I don't have to wear a mask. <laughs> Therefore, I should be able to have a beard. Okay. So that's, uh, that's percolating out there. And,
3: and, and, and the, the the key there, just guessing, I've not read the details of a case is, is it, it the departments are allowed to have a uniform appearance. So we don't want anybody with a beard. And, and then the question is, is he doing so on behalf of, is, is we talked about race or religious basis, or is he just trying to be different? Yeah. Right. So I think that will have some impact effects. I, I think if I types. was
2: arguing the city's case, um, I, I, I call this the Marine Corps argument, okay? the Marine, right. In the Marine Corps, every Marine is a rifleman. And if you don't qualify as a rifleman, I don't care if you're assigned to the Pentagon, it, it, it doesn't matter where you're assigned, you have to qualify as a rifleman. And it should it could be the same in a fire department that every, every member of this department, every uniform firefighter should at any period, at any point, be able to put on an SCBA and go in a building. Whether you're in dispatch, yeah. whether you are in fire prevention, it doesn't matter. At any uh, in an emergency, you should be able to. Therefore, you have to be clean shaven. At least that's the argument I would make if I was the city. Now, uh, of course, the other yeah. side—if I'm put my other hat on—I got to argue the opposite. So, so the
1: so the question is there are some medical conditions that uh, African Americans have called folliculitis barbe, which is the ingrown hairs that causes them, um, you know, considerable amount of discomfort. Sure. And so, um, you know, you, you think that if you were, is there an exception, I guess, is there a medical exception
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, for that? You know, if you're an African-American, you have that particular well, it's, it's not exclusive
2: to African-Americans, but it's just more prevalent.
1: No, but it's more prevalent yeah. there, right. And so do I have to go on light duty, to, you know, and, and be able to grow out a beard until the condition resolves itself, which, you know, in my experience as a medical provider, it may never resolve. I mean, it's just that condition that you have for the rest of your life. And now am I eligible to remain as a firefighter or, or do I get, you know, put on permanent disability because I have to wear a beard because of this medical condition? So we we put you in dispatch. <laughs> I well, still can't. Have well, it.
2: And again, it, it goes to, um, you know, does the fire department universally require everyone to be um, capable of wearing SCBA. And if if you're not capable of wearing SCBA for any reason, not just, you, you know, was it PB? What's, what's the acronym? P-B-E. PBE. It's not just PBE, but if you can't wear an SCBA because you're claustrophobic or for whatever reason, um, then, you know, you're not, um, you know, you, you can't perform the essential functions of being a firefighter. Okay. Now, I think your concern about African-Americans is well-founded. And I think um, that the fact that there is a disparate impact on African-Americans could warrant uh, NIOSH uh, and uh, possibly NIST and NFPA and OSHA to take a sharper look at whether or not based on the newer technology, uh, a deviation might be warranted. But that is a scientific uh endeavor it is not a it is, it is not um a fairness argument it's not it shouldn't be based on um anything other than science and somebody's got to do the science to change the law but it shouldn't be based on passion or emotion or self righteousness oh, i'm a victim you know it should be based on science
3: that was that was one of the things in the Washington D.C. case where some of these guys had short beards and they were all able to pass the the, the mass Perfect. fit test. And, yeah. and, and yeah. like, so what's your concern, right? And that's based on <laughs> looking at the science side of it. And and in that particular case, the science. Yeah,
2: and you know, I say my I had a grandfather uh, that drove for almost seventy years and he refused to wear a seatbelt and he never got killed. Does that mean wearing a seatbelt is safe? Uh, I'm sorry, not wearing a seatbelt is safe. No, it just means that he got away with it, okay? They made the same argument in FDNY, that these guys had not worn, they had worn shadow beards for several years and never had a problem. All that means is you got away with it. It doesn't mean it's safe, okay? Mm -hmm. But it may be that it's safe. We We need the research. And if the research says it's safe, then you know what? We're good to go. Yeah. That's the yeah, solution. Technology. It's it's it you know, we can't we get into these esoteric uh, arguments uh that, that go back to you know the eighteen hundreds. Uh and it's really a question of science. If if the technology of the mask manufacturers is there, then you know, I think I think that the it's time the regulations change. If not, you know, sorry, but it's not safe.
1: Um Changing.
2: Thank you. And I'm still not going to shave because I don't well, have to wear. I'm kind of dodging our safety officer. I got to go for my fitness. Oh, that's right. I mean,
1: you're you're in a different role. Yeah. So
2: so uh, I just got
1: an email from Peter uh, Porcilio And uh, this is sort of new in the on the media. I don't know if you've had a chance to take a look at it, Kurt, or not. But there's a um, in the in the national news media is a national a Nashville firefighter faces reckless endangerment charges. Yeah for allegedly trying to fight a house fire in uh, Rutherford County. You got it. Have you seen that?
2: Yeah.
1: So he, he was in He so he was, a, happened upon the fire, uh, not his department, uh, basically commandeered a bunch of equipment off the fire apparatus, went into the fire and started giving orders to the firefighters and not a, even in his department. And so the, you know, he basically been reprimanded for that, but that, but I think the issue, you know, and this is, brand new and i and i know that we have a lot of firefighters that uh stop at medical situations motor vehicle accidents and those sorts of things but i'm not really sure of how many firefighters would stop by a house fire in not in your district and and all of a sudden now you're part of the fire suppression team and nobody knows who the hell you are and and you've commandeered all the equipment and uh now you're starting to give orders to you know chip on how he's going to fight the fire in his own freaking department.
3: I, I, I don't know any of the facts other than what you guys have just said to me. And so I, I'm going to make a quote that just popped into my brain. Um, and, and, and it's going to come across as disparaging to maybe some of the individuals involved, but it's, it's, um, Alan Brunicini, God rest his soul. Uh, used to love to say egos eat brain cells.
0: Mm hmm.
2: You know, I I don't know the person involved. I don't know any more about it than what's been in the news media. I am familiar with the facts, but I I don't know any more than that. But I am immediately putting uh, a face to it of people that I know uh, who would pull a stunt like that. Uh, And I think Chip's comment is exactly right, that they think they're God's gift to Uh, the fire service and that they know everything there is to know and that these dummies don't know what they're doing. And uh, so, and again, I don't, I could be totally wrong. Could be, could be way off base. But in my mind, when I read the article, I'm like, oh, this is just like, and I, I have an exact person who would pull a stunt like this in my mind that would do something like this. So.
1: (laughs) None of us, of course. No, no, no. (laughs) Most of us are too old to do that sort of stuff. No
3: kidding. (laughs) I'm too busy running around the fire scene, throwing out yeah. business yeah. Stuff. <laughs> yeah.
2: So,
1: what else we got? What yeah. else?
2: Um, we've been almost on for fifty minutes, fifty-three minutes, yeah. So,
3: yeah, yeah. I mean, we-, we gotta, we gotta save some stuff for next month. I mean, you know, we we can't we can't start the year off the year off and, and and do every single topic. We gotta, you know, keep a couple in the well, back. Well,
1: our, our non viewers will certainly feed us with a bunch of new stuff, and and we'll watch Kurt's blog to figure out what part of the country has gone sideways on us. Um, but if, you know, if you guys um, have nothing uh, more, mm-hmm. then, uh, we'll probably end the show uh, right now and uh, appreciate, you know, fire engineering and current Clarion group to sponsoring this stuff. We don't have a sponsor this time, but maybe we can use uh, chip's law firm next year or next this year as a sponsor, you know, and, and you know, and, or, um, and, uh, you know, hopefully in the next show we have, Brad, uh, can appear and we always appreciate his, um, uh, input on these sorts of, of, uh, of shows, uh, it's certainly entertaining. And I know that, we're uh, because- not giving Kurt, you know, free airtime, but him and, um, uh, Kurt and, uh, Brad have a pretty good show that they talk about recent case law and stuff like that. It's highly entertaining and very educational. So if you have a few minutes to spare, uh, take a look at that and then, uh, you know, and Chip and I do our, our business, you know, in the dead of night. So nobody knows exactly what we're doing, <laughs> uh, which is always a good thing. And so without further ado, I uh, wish everyone a happy and safe uh, 2024. Uh, you'll see us again uh, next month. And then uh, you'll see, see some of us at FDIC in April. Um, and you'll see us at uh, Fire Chiefs conferences and other conferences all around the country. And, you know, appreciate um Uh, you listening to us. And, uh, and I think we're done. So thank you. Thank you all.
0: Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 outer shell fabric delivers a perfectly broken in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of enforced technology. Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit TenkataFabrics.com slash Flex 7. Flex 7, powered by Enforced Technology. Only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics.